we're going to talk about prayer tonight. We're going to talk about getting prayers answered. We're not talking about prayer tonight. We're talking about answered prayers tonight. I want everybody in this room to pray and get answers. Why would you pray if it's not going to be answered? That's dumb. Get off this religious stuff where you pray because you're supposed to. Why would you pray if it's not going to be answered? Let me ask you a question. Has anybody in this room ever said a prayer? Raise your hand if you've said a prayer. All right, put them back down. that's, That's a lot of you. How many of you in this room know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you prayed and he answered and you got an answer to your prayer? Raise your hand. See there? I'm going to take your word for it. I wasn't there, but I'm going to take your word for it. Let me say something crazy here. Answered prayer should be normal. That just should be normal. If the Bible's true, if religion's true and what I was taught about prayer for 10 years is true, forget it. You just got to do it because it's a duty. Don't expect nothing. But if that Bible's true, answered prayer should just be normal. It should just happen. And uh, for 10 years as a preacher, I don't know that I ever saw prayer answered. Let me tell you where I learned how to pray. I learned how to pray from listening to other people pray. You know, the the church I got into, people would pray. I'd listen to them pray. And, you know, let me tell you what I learned about prayer. Louder is better. And if you acted real serious about it, that that must get something done. And if you wiggled, that helped. Or vibrated, I guess it's vibrated technically. And I, I swear I learned how to pray. Jesus didn't teach me how to pray. And then I read, yeah, I had some preachers talk about prayer. I didn't learn anything from them. And then one day I did what the disciples did. They went to Jesus one day and they asked him the strangest question. In Luke chapter 11, they said to him, teach us how to pray. Yes. Why would they ask that? These boys have been praying all their lives. They were raised in Jewish. They've been in synagogue all their lives. They've heard prayers all their lives. Why'd they go to Jesus and say, won't you teach us how to pray? Guess why they did it? Y'all know the answer. His God answered. They saw that when he prayed, things happened. So they said, you know what? The, the, the uh, rabbis taught us how to pray. Mama taught me how to pray. I want to learn how to pray like you do so things will get answered. And you're not going to believe what God said to them when they said, teach us how to pray. He said, all right. Next verse, look it up. It says, all right. When you pray, do it like this. I don't know how you can make it any plainer. And he taught them how to pray. And I guess for years now, I've had, I just have prayers answered regularly now. I may even know it's not because I'm super spiritual. Thank you. One of them recognizes I'm not very spiritual. I'm not a great Christian at all. The secret's not being a great Christian. One day a man came to Jesus and he said, the devil has got hold of my son and he's killing him. And he prayed and asked Jesus, make the devil leave my boy alone. And Jesus said to him, do you smoke? It's not what he said. He said, do you attend church regular? He said, are you a good Christian? He didn't ask that stuff. What did he say? do you have any faith? He said, do you have any faith? And he said, if you can have faith or if you can believe, it'll, it'll happen. And then the man had to answer him before he'd help him. And the man said to him, I do believe, I do have faith, but help my unbelief. Which tells me what? He had faith, but he was struggling in it. He didn't have perfect faith. Guess what happened? Jesus said, that's all I need right there. And Jesus made the devil leave that boy alone. And the boy was delivered. He had a better life because a father prayed for his son. And, and, but the father had faith and he answered. How many of you'd like for the devil to leave some things alone in your life? Your health, your checkbook, your marriage, your children. One of the greatest things Jesus ever said in the Bible when he taught, he said this, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, 
then the spirit of God can come up. I'm excuse me. The kingdom of God can come upon you. If I get the devil out of the way in your life, then the peace and the joy and the blessing and the relationships that God wants to give you can come on your life. But I got to get the enemy out of the way first. If I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God can come in your life. I'm asking him to get him out. I've had it with that guy. Jesus is able. And we want to talk about that tonight. I've seen so many prayers answered because I began to base prayer on two principal verses. And I'm just going to quote them to you before we look at our key passage tonight. I want you to listen to two verses that the Holy Spirit taught me about prayer years ago when I began to say, you know, I've worked hard and I've preached hard and I've begged and I've counseled and I haven't seen much happen. And it dawned on me, it's not about that. It's about prayer. And I said, then I'm going to put all my marbles in prayer and I'm going to learn how to pray. And I'm going to let him teach me how to pray. And he propped me up on two great verses. And the one is, uh, I'll just quote it to you. It's Luke chapter 12, verse 31 that says this, seek the kingdom of God. Seek the king. Look for me to do things. There is kingdom of God is not church. The kingdom of God is God doing great things in the earth by his spirit. And what do you tell me to do? Look, look for it. Seek that. Seek, seek first the kingdom of God. Begin to want me to do things for you. Begin to want me to do things for your family. Begin to ask me to help people. Seek the kingdom of God. But the key verse is the next one, 32, that says this. Don't you ever be afraid, son. It is my ultimate joy to give you things. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't you ever doubt that I want to give you stuff. Matter of fact, I not only want to give it to you, it is my joy to give you things. See, I was taught that God's sort of stingy and, and I hadn't been a very good Christian, so I'm not going to get much. What does that verse say right there? You have no idea how happy it makes him to do things for you. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's, actual word says, good pleasure to give you things. Y'all ever give your kids stuff? Isn't it fun? The father's got the same heart. He loves to do that. So I prop my praying up on that truth right there that he delights in giving me things. And the other one is in Luke chapter 11 in the great passage about prayer where he said this. Now this is real deep and complicated. So you're going to stay with me. you with me? But this is deep. Hang with me. Ask, you will receive. People say, what does that mean? What does it sound like to you? Well, break with this religious deep stuff. Ask, you will receive. You say, yeah, but, yeah, but what? Let's get off our butts. Ask and you'll receive. Seek, you'll find, knock. I'll open heaven's door. Everyone who asks receives. I'm in because I'm in that group called everyone. But here's the key to that passage. If a son asks a father for bread, would he give him a rock? How many of you, your kid gets up in the morning and says, mom, I'm hungry, have breakfast. And you'd be so cruel as to put a rock in the plate to eat that. Would you do that? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Yeah, that's why he said it. If you being evil, listen to this, you being evil compared to me will give good things to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? Let me tell you something about my kids. I would pick up cans on the side of the road to feed my kids. You would too. My heavenly father will answer my prayers quicker than I'll feed my kids. Isn't that what he said? If you being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who, what if we don't ask? Here's a real lengthy verse that's real deep in theology out of James, and I'm going to give it to you. You have not because you ask not. What is stopping us from asking and receiving? So we'll look at this key passage tonight, and this is where Jesus said, that teaches how to pray and let me tell you what I found out when I began to ask him. I prayed all wrong for years. As a preacher, I prayed wrong. 
And again, I'd been taught by other preachers and been taught by people. And most I just, I prayed out of my feelings. I tried to get a feeling when I prayed. I tried to get spiritual. Because in the first church I was in, Aunt, Aunt uh, what was her name, Aunt, whatever, they'd call on her to pray because she was a praying machine. And she always started with, Lord! She'd rare, cock her head, Lord! like he was in up at Mars or something. And she'd holler and she'd just go on and on. She Basically, she just prayed out of her emotions. And if she ever got an answer, I never saw it. You can holler all you want. We're, we're not after, this is not Spivey's Corner. We're not trying to have a hollering contest. We want answers. Answers. I said, teach me how to pray. Well, here's the great passage on how to pray. Uh, we're going to read a little bit before it. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. If I read, if we read this together, will you not be offended by it? Okay, we'll read it then. Mark 11, 12. The next day when they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Verse 13, Mark 11, 13. Seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he'd find something on it. He came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Wasn't the season for figs. So he sees a fig tree in a distance. He's hungry. He said, let's go get something to eat. He walks over to that tree. There's no figs on it. In response, Jesus said to it. He's got the disciples with him. You can see that. So when he finds nothing, he just start, He talks to this tree and he says, nobody will ever eat anything from you again. He probably pointed at it and he said, nobody will ever eat anything from you again. And the disciples heard him and then they walked on. Verse 15 through 19 is where he went under the temple and that's where he cleaned the temple out because he didn't like the way they were having service. They go back out of the city. Right, early the next morning, they're coming right back on the same little road. They're going right back in the city. Verse 19, 20. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Right, the same fig tree 24 hours earlier was green and healthy, but there were no figs on it. All right, they're walking by today and they look and it's dead as a rake. It was dried up from the roots. Every leaf was brown. It was wilted. Less than 24, well, 24 hours. That's what happened to it. All right. And Peter, remembering, said to him, teacher, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Now, cursed, he doesn't, cursed doesn't mean cuss here. And the Bible says cursed, it means speak against. That fig tree that you told nobody to eat from it again, he said, look, it's died. It's, it's dead as a rake. Well, he didn't put rake in there, but he you know, said it's dead. It's withered away. And the strangest thing happened when Simon said that Jesus turned around him and said, have faith in God. What has having faith in God got to do with killing fig trees? Don't you know sometimes these guys are like me. They just looked at him and said, help me. They're, they're walking and, and even, Jesus was shocking. The, you got to remember, they had no Bible. They'd never been taught. They'd only known this guy a few months, but the, the stuff he's doing is just amazing. I mean, he's walking around telling dead people to get up out of the casket. And it happens. And they're walking one day and he, he, you know, they're sort of figuring out he's wonderful, but he's, what's the word I can use here? Eclectic. He's very eclectic. You got to admit. And all of a sudden he just stops and he looks at a tree and says, nobody will ever eat from you again. And he just takes off walking. They're behind him. James looks at Peter and goes, there they go. <laughs> the next morning they go by, it's dead as a rake. And Simon said, look, look, the, you know, that tree you spoke to yesterday, it has died in no time. Jesus turns and looks straight at him and says, have faith in God. What's that got to do with anything? Can you make the connection? You do it. You start doing what I just did. All right, now those words, four words, have faith in God. I need to take you to the original language. Some trans, I'm gonna give you three ways it's translated. You know, it doesn't translate perfectly from Greek to English. Some Bibles say, have faith in God. Some Bibles translate it like this, have the faith of God. 
God kind of faith. And, and others say, have the faith the way that God has faith. Now, if you just stuttered at that and said, I can't have the faith the way God does, why did he tell you to do it? It was Jesus, everything he said, he, we can do. He said, have the faith of God or have faith in God. And then he, then he, in his kindness, he opens up what he means about having faith in God. He said this, verse 23, assuredly I say to you, whoever, what's the word whoever mean? Does that include everybody in this room? Sure does. Whoever says to this mountain, here's what he's going to say, be removed and cast into the sea. All right, you said that to a mountain. And by the way, the mountain is not a physical mountain. Mountain in the Bible always represents problems in your life. It represents things that are, the Bible talks about things that are in your way. And it talks about the mountain shall be moved out of your way so you can get where you want to be. He said, whoever will speak to the problems in their lives, what he said to do about them, ask me, you talk to them. He said, you talk to the problems of the mountains in your life. You speak to them and, and uh, be removed into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done. He'll have whatever he says. What did Jesus say? He said, you just watched me tell that tree to die and it died. He said, you do the same thing. And anybody, he said, anybody can do it. But what is the key in there? Something about the heart, faith, believing in faith, same thing. He said, when the faith is in your heart, you can speak to the problems in your life, they'll move away. Now, dear ones, let me ask you something. Either, listen to me, either this is true or it's not. And you don't need to call Dr. Theologian. You just need to believe what the man says. Our struggle is not to have things explained. Our great struggle is to believe in the simplicity of what Jesus said and just trust him. Let me tell you, let me tell you what this means. It means what it says. Speak to the problems in your life. And then he ties it. There's one more verse tied into it. Verse 24. And it says this. Therefore, because of what I've said, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. And everybody in this room just told me you prayed. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. What's the rest of it? You might get them if I'm having a good day. You might get them if you hadn't cussed lately. You will get what you pray for. Now, Dennis, what are you going to do with that? Sound to me like he just promised to answer your prayers if you'd ask him. Sounds to me like he wants you to pray just like he prayed. And I want you to notice something. He said in verse 22, have faith in God. And then he talked about prayer. Tell me the two things that must always go together. Prayer and faith must always go together. Prayer and faith must always go together. I, I just love this passage. Now, let me tell you what this passage, we just read those three verses, verses 22 through 24. They offend modern intellect. So I can't understand that. Who cares? Why, why do we have to understand something before we can believe it? And so I'm not going to look stupid talking to my problems. We'll enjoy them. They're your problems. Keep them if you want to. Does it bother you that he asked you to do something that clashes with your intellect? Since when did God have to come down to our intellectual level? I thought we were supposed to go up where he was. Because I don't care if it makes me look like the biggest fool in town. I want my problems out of the way. I want my family's junk gone. The man said, have faith in God. Speak to that thing. And when you pray, know it's going to happen and I'll do what you say. Now, that's pretty cut and dry right there, isn't it? I don't know how it could be made any simpler. Let me tell you several things about, about prayer and faith. Now, number one tonight, prayer is answered because of faith. You can't earn it. You don't have to be good to have your prayers answered. You can't earn answered prayer. It's answered because of faith. Can you not see in this passage where he said, when you pray, be good? He said, believe. 
I want you to look with me at the great text on that. And uh, well, we're there, Mark chapter 11. Do you see that the key to, now I'm talking about you tonight. He wants to help you tonight. You don't know how much he wants to answer your prayers. He didn't create you, put you on this planet with a divine design, nail his son to a cross, not to help you. He wants to answer every person's prayers in this room tonight. But can you see that the breakdown in prayer has got to be because of faith? Faith is where we break down in prayer so often. Simple faith. Number two, uh, does anybody here know what faith is? Can I, I don't mean to be unkind. I've met very few preachers that know what faith is. You know, I know they don't know what it is because I listen to them talk about it. And I've had preachers, you know, faith, faith is sort of like you got a chair or that stool and I sit on that stool. I have faith that'll hold me up. And I just want to go, Buddha, Allah, who are you following, son? That is not faith. Faith is the only thing, the only place you're going to find out where faith is is to look in the Bible. Somebody tell me what faith is. Let's look it up. Hebrews chapter 11 is where the Bible defines faith. And I want you to do something for me. I want you to make up your mind. I will never say anything about faith except what God says about it. I will believe what he says about it. And here's the simplest, clearest biblical definition of faith in the Bible. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. I thought faith was a feeling at one time. I thought faith was intellectual. You know, if I look at that stool and I believe that'll hold me up, that's not faith. That's intellectual understanding. I mean, I'm, I've got enough engineering in me to know two strong legs, a few nails. That thing will hold my big fanny up. I know that. That's not Bible faith. That's, that's engineering faith. That'll never get a prayer answered. And emotions don't mean anything. Some of the greatest prayers I've ever seen answered were when I felt the furthest away from God. He does this stuff to me all the time. And then there's other times where I thought, man, I'm, I, bet I, I, bet, I, bet they, I bet I glow in the dark. I know they can see it right now. And nothing happened. I got scared one night, it been years ago. We were, we were a smaller church and we were having prayer time and I was standing right down there and the lady said, oh, I want y'all to pray for me. And I thought, we'd be glad to pray for you. And she said, I'm going blind. Said, I'm losing my sight. And my doctors got the thing, showed me where I was going blind. They said, you, I, I think it was macular degeneration. Said, you're going to be blind. She said, I want you to pray for me. And I, well, I thought, oh, this is big here. This ain't like going to Disney World and asking for traveling mercy. This is big here. And you know, you, I'm getting all worked up because I'm going to pray over this. I mean, we'll, so you know what, me. And Rick called, we had dinner with him last night. He was standing right there beside me. And he, I said, well, come down here. And I said, let's pray. And I, put, I just laid my hands on her eyes. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I thought, I sure don't feel spiritual. This can be so embarrassing. But, but you know what? We can always say, trust me or whatever. And I prayed and, and just asked him, just simply, I asked in the name of Jesus, open these eyes completely and heal them. And I didn't no more take my hands down than she just hollered out, I can see. And I said, you can. <laughs> well, I didn't say where people could hear it. I was as shocked as I, she was. And she grabbed my Bible, laying right there on the pulpit. She grabbed my Bible open and started reading out of it. And later brought back the doctor's report and showed me. And I didn't feel spiritual a lick. You don't have to feel anything. It's not feelings. It is as the scripture teaches. Let me show you what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This would be a great verse to memorize and chew on a lot. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for. Is anybody in this room wishing something good had happened? You know what hope is, don't you? That's when you're wishing. I hate to use the word wishing, but it's our word. It's when you're wishing something good had happened. It's when you're hoping for a better marriage. It's when you're hoping for better health. It's when you're hoping for the jump to get out of your life. The fear, the hangups, the strongholds, the garbage. 
It's when you're wishing God would draw close to you. It's when you're wishing that you could have peace and rest. It's when you're wishing your kids would have a change of heart. Guess who's the only person can change a heart? It's when you're wishing you'd get a better job that pays more and you could feel like you're contributing something. Is anybody here hoping for anything? Why are you in church if you ain't want something? Tell me what faith is. Faith is the substance of things you're hoping for. Better translated, faith is what gives substance to what you're hoping for. If you're hoping for something and you want to make it real, faith is what gets it from here to here. And then the other side says this, it is the evidence of things, what? Not yet seen. I've got prayers that I'm praying now and they're going to be answered. I know that I, mean, I just know sure as I'm standing here, they're going to be answered. They hadn't been answered yet, but I've prayed them. I've registered them with heaven and they're going to be answered. And I know they are. You say, well, how can you be so sure? Read it. Faith is the evidence, the proof of things not yet seen. That's what, listen, don't ever let faith be anything else. Faith is simply, he is going to do what I asked him to do. That's the evidence of things not seen yet. And faith is the substance. Some Bibles translate it, faith is the realization of things hoped for. Now listen, I'm hoping for a lot of things for people. I'm hoping for things for me. And listen, if he's that big and he's that good and I'm that needy, you might as well get you, work you up a big old list. You know, y'all know how I love to ride this horse of mine about these stupid songs. These old sad country Christian songs about just need a little silver and a little gold. What about all the starving children in Africa? How about a lot of gold so we can give them something to eat? Wouldn't that be a good thing to pray for instead of a little silver? Y'all don't even know these songs. Don't, don't pay attention. But it was get you up a big list. I, I've been praying for people all day long today. I, I want things to happen for people and it's going to. You see, you're cocky. No, 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 no. It's called faith. Faith is the substance of things you're hoping for. It's the proof of things you haven't even seen yet. All right, that's faith. It's, don't ever let it be anything else. Now, number two, <clears throat> what faith is. Number three, there's only one place faith can come from. You're, you've had people say this before. Well, well, you just need to believe. That's nonsense. You can't just believe. Where are you getting your faith from? Your adenoids, where's that coming from? You can't get, there's only one place faith can come from. And if you don't get it from this place, you'll never have an ounce. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. The only place on this earth faith can come, faith can come from. What is the only place that faith can come from? It's found in Romans 10. This is another verse you need to memorize and mark in your Bible and go back to. If you can't write in your Bible, put that on the coffee table. Get you one you can write in. Romans chapter 10 says this, and this is so simple. This is the only place faith can come from. Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith comes from hearing and hearing from where? The word of God. If your faith didn't come out of the word of God, it's not going to work. The word of God is the only place faith can come from. I mean, that's it. Uh, all through the Bible, for instance, I read this morning in my devotions about a man. He was a centurion. He was very wealthy because he paid for a new church to be built for the Jews, although he wasn't a Jew. And he had a servant that was very sick and very dear to him. And he sent word to Jesus and he said, um, my servant's sick. Will you please come help him? And so the Bible said Jesus went. And he sent word to Jesus and said, you know, I'm not worthy if you even come to my house. This is what he said. If you'll just say the word, he'll be well. And Jesus stopped. And that only, this only happened twice in the Bible. Jesus stopped and said, I have never found such great faith. Not even among the Christians, my people. 
Only two people in the Bible, Jesus had great faith. And one was the centurion, a Roman soldier. The other was the widow, I'm not the widow, the lady whose daughter was demon possessed. And, and but the man said, if you say it, it will happen. Jesus said, that's great faith right there. And when they got home, the servant was healed. It was faith only comes from the word of God. Don't you ever try to have faith in anything unless you can quote the verse. It's got to come from the word of God. So brother Brown, I, I hear you believe in people for these people, their, these girls, their husbands to be saved. How do you know God wants to save them? Somebody answer me. I better find something in that Bible that says that God wants that man to be saved. I can't have faith. We'll say, well, you know, God likes people. That won't work. Second Timothy 1, 4, God desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You say, well, my children are saved, but they're screwed up. Read the rest of that verse. God desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus is the truth. Now, when I got that, guess what I've got? I can have enough faith to move heaven and earth right there. Where'd that faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, comes by the word of God. For instance, I don't believe that you're supposed to get old and creaky and wore out. I didn't get that out of some fitness magazine. You know where I got that from? I'm as strong at 85 as I was at 40. I've been saying that for a coon's age. I don't know how long that is. No, it's just a country term there. You know, I, I turned 50 and I began to slow down a little bit. And I thought, well, well you know, you know you, this is age. This happens to old people. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me see if I can find that. Thou shalt croak and get squeaky, squeaky and need medicine and be, in, and be old and wore out and hang around Biscuitville. That's not in there anywhere. <laughs> and what I found in there, Caleb said, I'm going to finish everything God called me to do. I am as strong at 85 as I was at 40. I got that out of the Bible. And I'm believing him that at 85, I'll be as mentally sharp and strong as I was at 40. You know why? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. There's faith. Faith can only come from God's word. I watch people trying to faith, pray like, like they're like emotionally, like trying to get God to, it's got to come from the word. They always go back to the word to find faith to pray. It's the only place you can find faith. Now four, all right, this is the one that people say, well, here's the killer. This is where you, you were doing good. Now you're going to mess it up. Oh no, I'm fixing to make it better. Every prayer must be according to his will. Say people, oh, dog. I was hoping he'd give me some good stuff. <laughs> there was, if you knew everything that was his will in here, you would say, you give me that, I'll be one thrilled pill. It must be according to his will. Prayer must be according to his will to be answered. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. I remember years ago, I just started preaching. And our bishop, I don't know that we didn't call them bishops, we called them director of missions back then. They was over the preachers. He called me and he said, you, he said, you're about the most spiritual preacher I've got in this county. He said, you come and you're going to pray with me. And he said, I want to show you something. So I met him as I said, I want you to come here once a week. We're going to pray together. And he showed me these two verses. And he said, what do you think they mean? And I said, you're the one with all the degrees, which is probably why you don't know what they mean. I said, let me go deep here, brother Jim. I said, they mean what God said. And I said, if you want to believe him, I'll be glad to pray with you over these verses. And I'm going to show you the two verses they give us the, the, it is the footing that it has to be according to his will to be answered. First John five, verse 14 say that it says this, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How many of you have got that? How many of you know when you're praying, if you don't feel a thing, I am confident he's hearing me. This is the confidence we have that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. All right. You'd be surprised how, listen to me. 
be a good Christian, listen to good Christian music, listen to preaching, the devil will aggravate you a little bit. You start praying to help people, you will find out there are devils on this earth. The enemy of our soul, he'll let you worship, he'll let you listen to preaching, he'll let you read the Bible. But you begin to pray, which is the one thing that crushes his kingdom, you will find out if there's a spirit realm. He'll get between your ears. I never, this is embarrassing to say it, but it's just us tonight. Years ago, I'm uh, praying and, I, and all of a sudden this thought came to my mind, how you know he heard you? I thought, I, I, I don't know, maybe I should say, maybe I should say it louder, you know? Like, like Aunt, what's her name? I was, Lord, I'll, I'll do louder. And I'm battling in my mind. I hope he heard me. All of a sudden, this thought came into my mind. If he cussed, you'd have heard you. If you'd have cussed, he'd have heard you. I thought, yeah, yeah, he always hears me when I cuss. <laughs> then he must hear me when I pray. Isn't that twisted logic? See how these country minds work. Then was listening to me. You'd be surprised what the enemy of your soul get between your ears when you start praying. You'll get distracted. You'll itch. A fly, hadn't heard a fly for three weeks. A fly will come fly around your head. The youngs will get in a fight. The phone will ring. You'd be surprised what he'll do to keep you from praying. That's why the Bible talks about vigilant prayer. I'm going to pray. It's the only thing that makes any difference. But we know this, I'm going to read 14 again. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Listen, if you ask it according to his will, God heard your prayer. And one of the great passages in Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5 there were these four men and they had a friend who was crippled and they'd heard about Jesus. Do you ever, ever notice that when, that all, in, the, in the gospels it always said they heard about Jesus and then they went to him. See, faith comes by hearing. They heard about what God could do and they brought their friends. Well, he's crippled and he's on a, a bed. They couldn't get to him because of the crowd. How many times do you see in the Bible where people can't get to Jesus because of the crowd? What's the picture there? You'd be surprised how religion would get in your way of getting to Jesus. Just, but they fought on through it. That's when they went on the rooftop and they tore the roof off. Tore, tore a hole in the roof, not the whole roof. And they, they said, the Lord him down in there. And Jesus was teaching. So here he is, boy, here he is. Put him right there. They put him down in there. What do you think the homeowner thought about that? I mean, they tear a hole in this guy's roof. Lower him down in there. What do you think the guy on the mattress thought about this? Y'all sure this is a good idea? And they're dragging him up on that roof up there. One of the greatest truths in the Bible, they lowered him down there in front of Jesus. You know, they, those, they were thatched roofs back then. They weren't metal, it was thatched. You know, Jesus' teacher, people, well, they got dust and stuff flying down on them. And, it's, and here comes this guy down in there and he's just laying there <laughs> smiling at Jesus. <laughs> now I want you to listen to what the next verse says. I love this verse. When Jesus saw their faith, he sees your faith. He's looking for your faith. I don't care if you whisper your prayer. He's looking for your faith. Jesus says, when the man says, have faith in God, he's drawing you to himself. I promise you, listen, now the enemy will get in your head, logic or the enemy or whatever, tell you, he ain't hearing what you, you, you really think you deserve this. Answers, if you'll stick around, you'll find out I'm not praying in my name. I'm praying in somebody else's name who does deserve it. He hears your prayer. That's why the Bible said, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, it's answered. Let him see your faith. Let him hear your voice. Lift it up. Matter of fact, one of the greatest revelations he ever gave me in Revelation chapter five, verse eight, it says that before the throne of God, right now, not someday, right now before the throne of God, there are elders and they're singing, they're worshiping. And in one hand, they have a harp and the other hand, you might know what's in the other hand, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. When you pray, it is the sweetest aroma of heaven. It is the smell, is the sweet smell of heaven to the creator when you pray. We, got, we need a revelation of his goodness. 
And the Bible said that uh, anything according to his will he hears. Now look at verse 15 with me in 1 John 5. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we've asked of him. It doesn't say possibility. It says we know we have. It says, I'm going to look foolish if I, if I think I've got something before it shows up. No, no, that, listen to me. That's called faith. What do you say in Mark 11, 22? Have faith in God. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe you receive it. When? The moment you ask it. And you'll have it. Then you say, well, if, when I see it, I'll believe it. Oh, dear ones, you're, you're what the Bible calls an unbeliever. Sorry. They say, oh, no, I'm a Christian. Oh, I know that. That's the funniest thing in the world to me. He's an unbelieving believer. <laughs> Believers ought to believe. And now you, we're doing good. We're doing good, aren't we? We're doing good here. Dear ones, when you pray and you know it's his will, you need to get up and say, thank God it's mine. It's over. It's done. And, and praise the Lord. It's, that's called faith. You say, oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay. You one of them name it and claim it guys. I see. You know what the Bible calls that attitude? Cursed is the man who sits with the scoffer. Do not be a smart aleck about what God clearly says. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not reading it to you straight out of scripture. Let's believe God. Let's put out, let's, why do you think he said, unless you come like a little child, you can't experience the kingdom. Children believe we're the ones that are skeptical because our lives and our culture has taught us to be skeptical. This word brings, this word brings faith, not skepticism. They say, what about aunt so-and-so? They prayed for her. I don't see that anywhere in God's word. All I know is what this word says. And we need to stick with this book and what it says. Uh, now, let me say this. Just, well, I don't know if it's his will or not. His word is his will. If it's in his word, you found his will. His word is his will. All right, number five. There's almost always a waiting period between when you pray and when the answer comes. Anybody ever prayed, get a witness to that? I very seldom have had prayers answered that quick. There's almost always a waiting period between when you pray and when the answer comes. Matter of fact, sometimes it'll get worse, which is a test of faith. You remember I told you the story about the man that came and asked Jesus, said, the devil's killing my son. Would, would you help my son? And Jesus said, do you have faith? He said, I do. It's a little shaky. And Jesus said, that's all I need right there. All right, remember, let me work you through this. So Jesus said, that's all I need. And Jesus turned around and he rebuked that unclean spirit. He said, you come out of that boy and you don't bother him anymore. And he came out and the boy and the spirit thrashed him around. See, Jesus prayed for him and that thing started cutting up. It thrashed him around and finally he just, it looked like he fell dead. And the Bible said, and the people said he's dead. Don't, don't ask that guy to pray for us. Bad enough, he's demon possessed. He done killed him. <laughs> there was a period of time even between when Jesus prayed and when he was seen delivered that the devil cut up more and actually looked like he killed him here. It was very seldom will you pray and it's answered right then. There's almost always this waiting period in there. And that period's called a period of faith. That's where your faith shines in that period where you're waiting for everything to come through like that. It's almost always a waiting period. Well, while you're waiting, what do you do? Listen, we got to learn this. This is where people get in trouble. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. When you've prayed in faith and you're waiting to see the answer, waiting for the answer to come, knowing that it will, there's something you need to do in the meantime. Hebrews 11. Excuse me, Hebrews 10, 23. Hebrews 10, 23. All righty. 
I've prayed for my family. I know that it's the will of God because I can see it in his word. I prayed for myself. I prayed for some of you. And I'm, I got people right now I'm praying for and it, it doesn't look like it's getting a bit better. And it's been a while. I'm not the least bit deterred by what I don't see. Let me show you what I'm doing. Hebrews 10.23 says this. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope or faith without wavering because he who promised is faithful. See the word hold fast. What's hold fast sound like to you? Sound to me like somebody's trying to take something away from you. Now, what is the confession of my faith or hope? You remember Mark 11, 22, 23, Jesus said, have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed. What I say is the confession of my faith. I'm going to say it out loud. Now, for instance, I'm, I'm praying for some things for some people. I, I don't want to tell you what it is because I don't, want you, I, don't, I don't want you to knock it out of neutral. Just let me pull the load. I'm afraid you'll put the brakes on if I tell you. And I, I don't want to tell you who it is anyway. And I'm praying for folks. And all, a lot of time during the day, I'll just walk around and just say, this is going to happen to them. And I'll just say it out loud. For instance, I'll, I'll, a lot of times when I'm exercising, I'll just, I'll just be going, I'm as strong at 85 as I am at 40. I just say it all the time when I'm exercising. He said, well, if you, if you prayed it one time, how come you have to keep saying it over and over? Because I ain't 85 yet. It ain't here yet. I'm getting a head start. The confession of your faith, you pray and you trust him and you seal it, you settle it. And from that moment until it's done, you need to confess what you're, what you're praying for. That's the confession of your faith. And listen, hold fast to it. Hold on to it means somebody's going to try and take it away from you. Do you really think he's going to do that for you? What's the first thing the devil ever opened his mouth yet and said in this earth? Do you think God's going to do that? Did God say that? You know what my answer is? Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, I mean, you can fancy it up if you want. I just tell him, uh-huh. Hebrews eleven twenty three. Hold fast the confession of our faith. What does without wavering mean? Ooh, one day I feel like he will. One day I feel like he won't. One day it's looking better. Oh, it looks terrible today. One day my husband's doing better. Oh, he's doing worse today. What's that? That's a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. James chapter one. Ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith with no wavering. For he who wavers is like a wave of the sea, just driven and tossed back and forth. We want to, what does without wavering mean? Stable. And what you say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. We're, we're not propped up on what we see. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what this word says. I'm not moved by how I feel. Some days I feel terrible. I don't feel that bad. I mean, I just don't feel like anything's there. It doesn't matter to me. God's word is true no matter how I feel. God's word stands no matter what I see. I prayed for people and they got worse. All right, I will give, I will give one away since it's already passed and I can get forgiveness quicker than I can permission anyway. I had a daughter who was dating this boy and I didn't like him. And I, they were getting serious. And I knew it wasn't God's will. She wasn't a bad boy. He was a good boy. He just wasn't the one I was looking for. And uh, it just wasn't right. I just knew it wasn't right. And uh, it wasn't the one I wanted. And I just, I knew it wasn't, and I knew it wasn't God's will. You say, where'd you find that in the Bible? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Amen. Done. And I knew, I knew we, I wanted more than an average dude. I wanted somebody who could like count to 10. Are you with me? And so I just began to pray and believe God. I said, they're not going to get married. They're not going to make it. She'll be with somebody else. And you know what? And I began, I believed God and I'd pray and I'd sell it. And I said it, I said it over and over. And I said, he, he's temporary pudding. He's just here temporary. That's, that's not her husband. She's going to marry another man. She's going to marry the God. I just said that all the time. Guess what happened? They got engaged. 
They did. I'll never forget it. He called, asked me, could I marry? And I said, you, well, no, you can't. Cause I mean, you're not the one. I mean, and you, you listen to me. Listen to what I'm picking to say. You don't know how bad I want to stick my hand in there. You don't know how bad I want to open my mouth and get involved. Do you know what he's told me a few times? If I need your help, I'll ask for it. I need you to pray and stay out of the way. I thought you was trusting me. Now, which one of us do you want handling this, me or you? And I said, well, you're better at it than I am. You go ahead. Never opened my mouth. Every time she'd say, what do you think? I'd just smile and say, life is wonderful. I never said a negative word against her. The whole time I'm making this confession, they will not get married in the name of Jesus. She's going to marry somebody. I'm saying that the whole time. Went out in the woods and prayed that over and over. Listen, you've got to hold fast to confess. You can't just pay the, pray these puny prayers and hope they come to pass. You've got to hold fast to confession of your faith without wavering. You've got to hold on to what you're believing for. There's a fight. You know why the Bible says fight the good fight of faith? Because somebody's going to fight you over your faith and it's not Jesus and it ain't the Methodist. And I held on to that and lo and behold, she called me crying and she said, I, I shouldn't marry him. I've made a terrible decision. And I thought, well, I could have told you that, but it's better off for him to tell you. And sure enough, she married another fellow that loves God. And whole, I'm going through that whole process. I prayed and it got worse. And I just never opened my mouth. You said, it's time just to be quiet. I can't get one amen out of that. There's a time to be quiet. I didn't mean now. You're supposed to say amen for that. <laughs> I've had situations where I prayed and it looked like the opposite was going to happen. And you know what? I just held to the word the whole time and held fast to the confession of my faith, knowing he who promised is faithful. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what I feel like. I know this. He, he cannot lie. If I can't trust him to keep his prayer promises, how can I trust him to get me into heaven with John 3, 16? So I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Then start knowing he'll answer your prayers the same way. Have faith in God, he said. And this is that great promise. You know, what, you, know, you know where we want to move to? We want to move to the place where we have what's called a spirit of faith. Let me show you what a spirit of faith is. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible talks about having a spirit of faith. And that doesn't mean a, you know, a, like a Holy Spirit or anything. It's just an attitude of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is a wonderful verse we could memorize. All right, while you wait, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 says this. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. What do you see over and over in these verses tonight? Your mouth has got to line up with what you're believing. You, you can't say, you can't have somebody pray for you that you get out of debt and you go around talking about being poor. You, you're going to stay poor. Listen to what, I'm going to go back to Mark eleven twenty three. You will have what you say. You can't ask me to pray for you to get well and then you talk about how sick you are. You, you got to, what does it say right there? I believed, so I began to speak what I believed. In other words, I began to speak the word of God. I began to say, for years I've been saying all my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. I got that out of the Bible. And I've always believed for family. I hold to the great promise in Psalm 128. My wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of my house. My children like olive plants all around my table. Brother Brian, you never know what's going to happen to your family. Where do you get this stuff from? So let, let me look at, let me look at verse up you just gave me right there. Hmm, wrong Bible. Get you a new Bible. Get you a Bible that makes some promises. Do you really think God doesn't care what happens to your family? Are you serious? He created your family to be blessed by him. 
but you're going to have to stand in faith. It's always by faith. And we hold to the confession of our faith. I want you to have a spirit of faith where you just begin to believe God and you begin to say it and you begin to speak it out with your mouth that we, I don't have time to teach on this, but how did God almighty create everything? He said, let there be light. And there was light. He said, let there be firmament. And this earth firmed up. He makes things happen by speaking. Have the faith of God. You'd be surprised what our talking has done to us. Now listen, I'm going to quote it again. Mark 11, 23. Whatever you believe in your heart, you will have what you say. You got to believe with your heart and speak it with your mouth. If you're really convinced that you're going to get cancer and you're not going to do well and you can't do nothing right, you just spoke that on yourself. It will come to pass. It's both negative and positive. I hear people talk all the time. I can't do nothing right. And I just watch and sure enough, they can't. <laughs> it's not because you're dumb. It's because you're cursing yourself. The fig tree that you cursed has died. You know, so my, I'm afraid my kid's going to get on drugs. Why would you say something so stupid? They will. He said, brother, I'm praying for me. All my prayers can't negate what your big mouth is tearing up. God, this is great preaching. Isn't it? This is just good stuff right here. But here's the point. Can you all see, we have got to get our lips to line up with his word. And our lips have got to line up with our faith in our heart. It's your mouth and your heart. What's the only way you can be saved? You got to open your mouth to be saved, don't you? If you shall believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If he touches my heart and I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose out of the grave to save me. And oh, I say, I believe that open mouth. And I say, he's my Lord from this day forward. I'm in, but I've got to say it. That's why when I lead people to pray, you ever notice I lead them to say from this day forward, you are my savior, my Lord, and my love or my best friend, whatever. But you got to say, he's my Lord to be saved. You got to speak it. Everything comes by speaking in the spirit realm. That's how that's where authority comes from. All right. Didn't mean to bog down in that. But there's going to be a battle in the waiting. And the battle is going to be with the enemy of your soul for your faith. Let me throw this in about feelings. I need to say a little something about feelings here. Feelings don't mean nothing. You can have great faith and feel 50 miles from God. Feelings mean nothing. It is the greatest day of your life when you can live independent of your feelings. Nothing wrong with feelings. I have them once in a while. But feelings don't dictate our lives. We've got to get away from faith. If feelings dictate your life, they'll wrap you around the axle every time. Because our feelings do not line up with God's word. His word is truth. All right, one more. I, there's a model of waiting in the Bible and it's humorous. I love it. And it's, it's given to me and you as a picture of how to wait. There was a man who God made him a great promise and he believed God, but you know, he forgot to tell him it's going to take 20 years for it to show up. Whew. I'm one of them people, Friday is a long way away. Are you with me? As a matter of fact, when I'm praying, I open one eye to see if it's there yet. I'm just one of them people. I, I, now, I'm a now person. Some people, my, my sweetheart, she's very patient. And God gave him the great, he gave him the very promise of his heart. The one thing the man always wanted, God said, I'm going to give it to you. But it took 20 years for it to show up. And he, the Bible says he is our father of the faith and he is our pattern for how we have to hold on sometimes. I've known folks that prayed over children for years and never turned loose. And God was faithful. I've known women that paid for, prayed for husbands that were just like the devil and didn't fuss at them, never opened their mouths. That's why the Bible says, win them without a word. I didn't get a male amen out of that. <laughs> Boys, I'm, doing, I'm trying to help you here. 
I've known women that had husbands who were just devils. I mean, they were just lost as a ball in high weeds and their faith never wavered and they never said a word. They were sweet to them as that sweet tea they serve at Bojangles. And you know what? After years, God got them because somebody held on. You're not guaranteed 10 minutes. I think I told you about Charlene Gray. She was my secretary at one time. Her husband was just a pagan. He was a just a country boy, but he was a pagan. And I, I never saw such faith in her. She was just a country woman. She wasn't, it wasn't well educated and you know, she wasn't a theologian, but that woman could grab hold of God and hold on. And uh, she, I'd say, well, how's Ronnie doing? She'd say, she'd look at me like, like I was the devil myself. She'd say, that man's going to love God one day. She'd say, just point at me. And I'd say, amen. I know he is. Amen. You know what she was doing? That was the confession of her faith. And the worser he got, the confessor she got. She was so sure of that. And I'm, how, how do you know that? You see, do you think, you think God told her that? Yeah, yeah. Right there. God told her that in the word and she clung to God desires. All of it, she said, God wants that. God created that man to be saved. God didn't create that man to be away from him. God created that man not. And she said, not only is he going to be saved, he's going to love God and serve him. He's going to be good at it too. I said, anything else? And she held on. It took years. But you know what? That old boy loves Jesus today and just loves God tenderhearted. You got to hold on sometimes. You say, well, they've told me to quit praying. Since when do they get to tell me what to do? I've had people tell me, don't pray for me. Oh, guess. Oh, yeah. You asking for it, Bubba. You might come in quicker than you thought. All right. Let's look at that great model of faith in Romans chapter four. I love this. These scriptures I'm giving you tonight, you'd be surprised how often I turn to these very scriptures and just read them just to do what? Faith comes by hearing. Build your faith up. The Bible talks about, Jude talks about building your faith up, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. And this is one of those places in Romans chapter four, this is the perfect model of, say you, you listen, quit settling for who knows what. Find everything in this book Jesus died to give you. Find out what he wants for your marriage. Find out what he wants for your children. Find out what he wants for you financially. Find out what he wants for your health. That's not hard to do. Find out what he wants for you to, to have a passion and a purpose and a career in life. Find out everything he's planning for you and then go after it in prayer. The faith has got to have something to do with it because if you didn't need faith, everybody would have everything he died for right now. All right, this great passage in Romans 4. <clears throat> great encourage. This is one of the most encouraging places in the Bible. And uh, verse 16 was put in there that because, verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Got it? God's going to do things for you because he's good. And if he ever does anything for you, it'll be by grace. Great. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Listen, Christ became a curse on the cross so that the blessings of Abraham could come on you in Christ Jesus. Everything you ever longed for has already been paid for. That's called grace. It's when God gives you stuff you don't deserve. But you say, well, if, he, if, he, if it's grace, how come I don't have it? What does it say? It is through faith that it might be according to grace. You know, I'm saved by the grace of God, but I had to exercise faith to be saved. You understand that? It is by grace through faith. Faith is not what makes it happen. Faith is the hand that receives what Jesus died to give you. It's by faith, through faith, according to grace. And here's the picture in verse 16. All right, it talks about the promise might be sure to not only the seed, to those who are of the law, those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So it talks about having the faith of Abraham. You can do it. 
because he's your father in the faith. Abraham is the father of faith. All right, verse 17 is the promise. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. There it is. Right there. You see those words? God came to him and said, I've made you a father of many nations. You can look this up in Genesis 15, verse 5. One day God said to him, met him and, and he said, I blessed you. And Abraham said, but I have no children. He said, you bless me and whom I'm going to leave it to. And he said, I don't have any children. And verse five of Genesis 15, the Bible said, God took him outside and said, count the stars. He said, count the stars if you're able. And Abraham started counting. He said, so shall be your children. He said, you're going to have as many children as there are stars in the sky. What's the problem? Does anybody know what the problem was? He was 80 years old on that day. Does anybody know anything about uh, what would that be under? Like, like, uh, uh, birthing stuff and all that capability. How about capability? That's a good word. 80 years old. And God told him, you're going to have as many children as our stars in the sky. He and Abraham and Sarah had given up a long time ago on having children. Then was the promises of God will stretch your intellect beyond the breaking point, but your heart can handle them. It's with the heart you believe, not you. Listen to that. Come on, go a little further here. You can believe in your heart with doubt in your head. You can have your intellect screaming. There ain't no way in your heart saying, let's go doc. It's with the heart man believes, not the head. And he told him, you're going to have as many children. Now, now guess what he's got to do? Guess what he's got to do? He's got to make a decision. I'm either going to believe that or I'm going to laugh at it. He said, you've either got to believe me or don't believe me, son. Every promise he gives you, you've got to make a decision. You're going to believe it or not. And you get to, only you get to decide. And watch what happens. He told him, here was the promise. I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which you do not exist as though they did. Got it? He will say it's there before you see it's there. But Abraham, the Bible said Abraham believed God. And he's, you know, he's 80 years old and he's, his heart had always wanted the sun. He never had one. And God said, you can have as many children as stars of the sky. And Abraham said, what Abraham say? I sure am, ain't I? I am. And he went home and told Sarah. I said, Sarah, well, I start to say, sit down. What else would an 80 year old woman be doing? Well, I said, no, she was 70. She was 70. He said, we, we're going to have babies. And she wondered if Abraham had been in home brew or something. We're going to have babies. And then he started talking about it. You know, people laughed at him. Who la- Listen to me. It's who laughs last. Don't be the front laugher. <laughs> be the last laugher. All right, now watch this great teaching. And this is for me and you because he's the father of faith for us. Verse 18, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became. There it is. What does it mean contrary to hope? Ain't no way in the natural, an 80 year old man and a 70 year old woman is going to have a baby. I don't know what you know about anatomy, but that ain't happening. And it was contrary to hope. But listen to this. Even when it looked impossible in hope, he chose to believe God. And because he believed, he became. Now I want you to see the process of how he went through this. And this will help you. He became the father of many nations according to what's spoken. So shall your descendants be. Where did all this faith come from? According to the word of God, whatever God said to him. And if you, I'm sure you know this, Abraham is the father of every Jew on the planet today. Millions of them. Every Jew can trace his lineage directly back to Abraham. Millions of people. Why? No, he wasn't a great man. Matter of fact, Abraham got caught doing some things that were just dumb. But what's the one thing he could do? He said, that man tells the truth. And I trust him. And he believed God. 
Christ. I want you to watch what he did. Verse 19, not being weakened in faith or weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, actually when the baby was born or the deadness of Sarah Williams. Tell me what he didn't do. He did not get in his head. He didn't sit and stare at Sarah and say, mm, mm, mm. He didn't look in the mirror either, did he? I'm going to be a daddy. I'm going to be a father. And he walks by a mirror and there's this 80, 90, by the way, it's 98 years old by the time he got there. Broke down on man. The Bible said he didn't know. What does consider mean? He didn't stare at himself. He didn't stare at his circumstances. He didn't sit around and think about the impossibilities. He did not consider how hopeless it was. How many of us will pray and then we'll start watching to see if something's happening? Don't be watching to see what's going to happen. What did he watch? He said he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was actually strengthened in faith doing what? Giving glory to God. Dear ones, in every situation, you can do one of two things. You pray, you make your request known to him, you're done. And then you got a period before it comes back. You're going to do one of two things. You're going to sit around and think about how impossible it is. Or you're going to open your mouth and give glory to God and grow strong in faith. Praise God. I, I, instead of looking at Sarah saying, and you're old. You know what he said? Get your bonnet on, sunshine. We need to go down to the department store and get some diapers. We're going to need a crib too. Let's get a bassinet while we're at it. He said, because I'm going to be a daddy. And he was strengthened in faith, praising God because what he said had come to pass. Then when, that, when I, for instance, I told you the prayer I pray for my children, and let me tell you something, all my children will be taught of the Lord. Well, I don't go, I wonder how they're doing. I hope it's going well. I just walk around all the time saying, my children will be taught of the Lord. It, that's what it means to give, be strengthened in faith. You're either going to be weakened in faith or strengthened in faith. And if you go ask the experts, they'll beat your faith all to pieces. If you look around, your faith will be destroyed. If you feel yourself. So I just don't feel like, quit feeling yourself. Who cares how I feel? I'm going to give glory to God based on his word and grow strong in faith. You know, let me tell you something. I, I can, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. I can feel faith go up and down. I can feel it in a room like this. I can feel my own faith going up and down. I can feel my own faith get a little weak. When, uh, you know, I'm praying over something and somebody comes and says, oh, it's, it's bad, it's, it's bad. It's, Brother Brian, it's just, it's just bad. And also, I just feel this thing going, ooh, like it starts sagging. Now I think, yeah, yeah it's bad, ain't it? Hey, you're bad, really, so the truth is. And bless their hearts. So some of them dear ladies like that, I'd probably fix them to get killed. I just, I think to myself sometimes, if I could just get in her pocketbook and trade her lipstick for a glue stick, we'd all be better off before it's all said and done. <laughs> Dear ones, faith comes by hearing, but faith is destroyed by hearing. Do not be one of those people who destroys other people's faith. Speak faith. And I just think to myself, let me, and I'll take the word of God. I keep these very verses right here. I keep them on little three by five, well, actually two by four cards in my truck with a clip. And I'm riding down the road. I just review these verses all the time. I can feel faith rising up because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you focus on the problem, your faith will be destroyed. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, your faith will be built. And of course, that means his word. And Abraham did that. Let me finish this real quick. Verse 21, being fully convinced that what he'd promised he was able to do. I want to make an announcement. If he said he can do it, he can do it. And I'm convinced he can do it. And this is the, this is the period of waiting. There's always a period of waiting and you hold on to your faith in that period. All right, I know someone's going to ask me, say, well, brother, how long do you think it'll take? Good question. You're asking the wrong guy. 
I have no idea. I don't know why it is that we pray for some folks and they get saved in 30 days, pray for other folks, they get saved 10 years later. I don't understand that. Do you know what I do know? Acts chapter one, verse seven. It's not for me to know times and seasons that are appointed into the Father's power. It's not for me to know when things will happen. It's just for me to know they will happen on his timetable. And I'm not, I love the fight of faith. I love to pray and just believe and just stand there and just say, watch this. Watch this, it'll be there. I don't want to quit by... Let me give you a word of encouragement as we quit. Now, the enemy gets in people's heads and says, well, you're not that spiritual. How many of you ever had him get, let's be honest. You ever had him get in your head and say, well, you're not as spiritual as they are. Billy Graham stuff, he's lying. Turn me to James chapter five. I'm gonna show you he's lying to you. You're just as spiritual as Billy Graham is. And I pick him out because everybody probably knows him. James chapter five is one of the great revelations. I don't know why you'd think Billy Graham get his prayers answered quicker than you can. So, Brother Ron, Billy Graham, the most famous evangelist that ever lived. And who are you? Aren't you the covenant child of the living God who bled out his son's life so he could be good to you? We're all in the same family. We're all sons and daughters of God. There are no superstars in this family. There's one star in this family. And it's the bright and morning star. The rest of us are just brothers and sisters. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 23, don't even be calling each other by titles. You're all brothers and sisters. And you say, well, they're more experienced. Well, get you some experience and get up there with them. James chapter five is a wonderful promise. It's just a shocking verse. I'm gonna, let me just tell you, there was our churches are not built on faith today. They're built on unbelief. I'm sorry. And we need to, the Bible says that we live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We need to be a people of faith. I'm sitting in a minister's meeting one day. It's been years ago. And maybe 30 of us in the room and uh, turned out one of the ministers just found out he had cancer. And when he, oh, when he said that C word, I felt it just come out across the room. A spirit of fear and unbelief, just like an old dark blanket just was thrown on all the preachers. I mean, it was just, they, all of them just went into immediate unbelief. What an ounce of faith in the room. And uh, it was just, I just thought, and these are the people doing the leading. And so uh, one of them opened his Bible and he said, uh, turn to James chapter five. And I thought, praise God, somebody knows the Bible. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget him sitting there. And he read this and he, uh, he said, he said, do y'all think this is true? That's exactly the words came out of his mouth. Y'all think this is true? And when he said that, every ounce of faith in that room evaporated. Dear ones, faith is destroyed by people saying things. Faith is built up by people who will speak the word of God. And I just thought to myself, and then they said, well, now let's pray. And I thought, why? What good would it do to pray when you just destroyed faith in the room and nobody here believes? I'm not, I'm not being unkind. Do y'all want to just go through the motions and just throw prayers out there or do you want your prayers answered? We want them answered. Prayers are answered because of faith. And I want to show you the verse he read. And, and this, I think, is a wonderful verse. Verse 13 of James 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Are you cheerful? Get you a banjo. Sing psalms. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? And he's referring to the preacher who had cancer there. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of, prayer of what? Faith. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, it'll be forgiven. Why does it say he'll be forgiven his sins? My faith can't forgive your sins. What does it mean? You're gonna have to confess your sins before you can get healed. But if you'll get, confess your sins, we can pray for you. And uh, the Lord will raise him up and confess. And there was a material. You said, Brother, what do you think that really means? It means what it says. But we are so steeped in unbelief in our churches. We struggle with this kind of stuff. We believe John 3.16. Why don't we believe James 5.16?
these other verses. Read verse, uh, we'll read verse 16 with you. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. What did the Bible tell me you to do? Pray for people. Pray for physical healing. Pray for their broken hearts to be healed. Pray for their broken homes to be healed. Can you see the Bible just expects me and you to pray and get answers? Pray and they'll be healed. And then I want you to look at the great promise in the latter part of that verse. The effectual, watch this. The effectual, mild, gentle, reverent prayer of a righteous man. Where do we get this mild-mannered, reverent praying from? You know what fervent means? You know what fervent means? It's this the Greek word boil. It literally means boil. Uh, listen, when I'm praying, I don't say, if our father, we'd ask that thou wouldest. But when I'm praying for my children, I get alone and I let it fly. It is the fervent. I, what's the closest word we have to fervent? Passionate. It is the passionate prayer. And our churches are dead as a rake. We sing half dead. We preach half dead. We live half dead. Everything in the New Testament was passionate. And it was fervent. Listen, get in there and pray and pour your heart out to him and hold on and praise him and thank him. And if it bothers you, somebody might hear you. Go way out in the woods where can't nobody hear you. I want you to listen to these words. The effectual, passionate prayer of a righteous man or woman makes things happen. Right there it is. Faileth much. All right, now here's the Billy Graham verse. Verse 17, Elijah was a man. I might believe Elijah was a man. You don't know who Elijah was. Did he get his prayers answered? My goodness at what he prayed for and things happened. He, he got called down fire one time. Elijah was a man. What does it mean with a nature like ours? He's just like you. With no difference in you and him whatsoever. Elijah was a man just like you. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It didn't rain for three years and six months. I think he prayed too hard. What do you think? He wanted to get their attention so they'd repent and turn back to God. He said, don't let it rain. It didn't rain for three years and six months. I wish I could remember. I need to look that prayer up right there. And the Bible said he prayed again and it rained so hard it washed everything away. You said, man, that's something. What did the Bible just tell you right there? You're just like him. It's not that he prayed. The Bible, the point is you're just like him. There's no difference between you and Elijah, you and Billy Graham. You said, well, I, there's a big difference between me and them. Listen to me. Look right here. In your eyes, but not God's. There's no difference between you and Elijah in his eyes. As a matter of fact, Elijah was a... I hate to keep talking ugly about these guys in the Bible. We're the ones that put them on the podiums. Elijah was rough. Matter of fact, he was a bit sarcastic. Was he not? He never if ever read his life. He lived on the smart aleck side. Seems to run in preachers in certain parts of the country. But there was, he, he was a man who just prayed. I hate to use the word hard. The better word is passionate. And God answered him. And why is that in the Bible? The whole point is you're just like him. Ain't no between you and him in God's eyes. Matter of fact, it was dry. And uh, how many of you just pray a little piddly prayer and then give up? Well, you got to hold on there and you got to pray fervently. I'm going to quote his prayer to you. The Bible said he wanted to pray and the scripture said he had his servant right here beside him and he's on a hilltop and he's praying and it is dry as dust. People are dying and nothing to drink. And the Bible said he bent down on the ground and put his head between his knees and he prayed fervently and he looked up and he didn't see anything. Oh, well, I guess he ain't quite the prayer he thought he was. Guess what he did? He, he explained that maybe it wasn't, you know what he said? He put his head down a second time and he prayed and he looked up. No, no, he said to the servant, go see if there's any rain. The servant came back and said, it's dry as dust out there. He put his head down a third time 
He said, go look. He came back. He said, how many times I got to keep doing this? There ain't nothing out there. Fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, seven times he put his head down. You know what the number seven means in the Bible? Seven's always perfection. It's just when you've hit the right time. He put his head down a seventh time and he said, look again, the servant said, And he came back in there and he said, three and a half years, ain't been a cloud in the sky. And he said, there's a little cloud off in the distance about the size of a man's fist. Elijah said, praise God. Hallelujah. A storm. He said, I said, a little cloud that big. And he went out and got on the bullhorn and announced, everybody better get to Jerusalem. They're fixing to be a flood. And the sky grew black and the rains fell. Here's the point. He didn't say, Lord, if it's thou be thy will, wouldst thou let it rainest? He put his head between his knees and he poured his heart out and he did it until it showed up seven times. What's the message? Let's be a people who decide we're going to get our prayers answered. I want everybody in this room to be shocked and say, he did that right there. He did that right there. Lord Jesus, I've been talking about you all night, telling them how wonderful you are and I know you're going to come through. I want to praise you and thank you. Your word says you fill heaven and earth. You're everywhere. And I thank you tonight for your goodness. Father, I praise you for the goodness of the Lord that if I'd give dinner to my son, you'd answer my prayers quicker and I'd buy dinner for him. I'd buy dinner for my children anytime. And I pray the eyes of people's hearts, Lord, we sang it tonight, let the eyes of their hearts be open to have a revelation of the goodness of the Father that you are there and you answer prayer. Oh, if people could only know how sweet their prayers are to you, that their prayers are the very incense of heaven. That when they pray, you make all of heaven stand still and be quiet so I can listen. And the sweetest thing you ever hear is the prayers of your people. I want to thank you for the privilege of Father that hears us when we pray. And by faith, we can lay hold of all the promises you've given. Father, how sad it is that we would go through life missing anything you've promised all because we didn't pray for it. Thank you for your goodness. And I'm going to praise you and thank you for all the prayers that are going to be answered sitting in this room right now. Father, people's children are going to get straightened out in this room because they're going to pray about it. Husbands and wives are going to get saved. Hearts are going to get healed. Dreams are going to come alive again. The junk is going to be out of people's lives. The garbage is going to be broken. This, the shame and the guilt and the pathetic, it's going to be moved out of the way. These mountains are going to be gone in the name of Jesus. Because people are going to pray and see it happen. And I thank you, Father. I, I'm addicted to prayer. If I, The first one I ever saw answered, I said, this is what I want to do right here. And I praise you that these people will become addicted to answered prayer when they see how good you are and how you answer. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified in everything we do. In his precious name we pray. Amen.